Welcome back to the season two premiere of the In Their Twenties podcast, a web series where we interview influential people to give you the best advice in your twenties. Make sure you're hitting that follow button on Spotify so you get updated when a new episode is released. As always, this series is hosted by Michael Holmes and Landon Campbell. And on today's episode, we have a very special guest, Mike Harris, also known as Chef Mike. Chef Mike has a long list of accolades in the culinary career field, including being a former corporate chef of McDonald's and was even featured as a Wendy spokesperson in a few of their commercials. Chef Mike is also a certified barbecue judge for the Kansas City Barbecue Society. And an amazing thing about Chef Mike is his ability to create a personal brand for himself. Chef Mike is a social media influencer and even has his own YouTube channel. So after this podcast, make sure to go check out Chef Mike on YouTube for some amazing food creations that you can make at home. But let's go ahead and jump in to what advice Chef Mike has for students and professionals in their 20s. What made you choose a corporate culinary career and how does being a corporate chef compare to other culinary careers? Cool. That's an excellent question. A lot of people ask me that. And, you know, like a lot of culinarians out there, I grew up when I was like three cooking with my mom and grandma, Um, always had aspirations of wanting to open my own restaurant and be a head chef somewhere. As I got older, as I started learning more about the business and I got my education at Johnson and Wales, I was like, you know what? I do not want to open up my own restaurant. I want to cook. I know I love that. But the risk reward for opening your restaurant is very tough. It's a very tough industry. Nights, weekends, and holidays, you know, you're always working. Uh, at the same time, and this is a true story, I wanted to be in a band after college because uh, I play guitar. And my nights, weekends, and holidays are show nights. So I can't be in the kitchen in a restaurant. I got to be melting faces and, and ripping wicked solos out in the front. So um, while I was in school, I took a bunch of classes for research and development and food scientists, uh, food science, and started learning about that industry. And I did an internship at a company called Orville Kent Foods right before uh, uh, the end of my senior year. And I had a job offer before I even graduated. So that last trimester of college was a good time had by all. Uh, And then I got into that R&D world uh, after that and, and stuck with me till now. Are there any like big differences between being a corporate chef? and being just someone at a restaurant what like is that two different lifestyles two different um very much two different lifestyles two different hours you know i am more in the nine to five like monday through friday world where somebody working in a restaurant it's basically the complete opposite of that what's interesting about my role uh, which i think is very different and sometimes it's hard for chefs who go from restaurants to R&D is that it, it is almost irrelevant what my personal taste preferences are. I am always developing things for a customer. And this is one of those things that no matter what industry you're in, unless it's your name on the door and you are running the show, you are going to be either working for somebody or you'll be uh, getting hired on in a company that already has a customer base. And it would then be your job to learn about that customer and provide what they need versus I am Chef Mike and this is how my mom made lasagna. So that's how you are gonna like it. That is not how it works. And and especially for chefs and restaurant people, even if you graduate college, unless you're opening your own restaurant, it is still not your name on the door. 
Um, and it is very smart that if you have uh, aspirations to be a chef, you should be doing a trend re uh, research to know what's hip and happening so that you can make it for your guests yet again, as well as location and demographic information. Because if the thing you love is not going to work in some you know, rural area of the country, you have some ultra fine dining, super expensive restaurant, you can't just put that anywhere. You need to put it in a place in a uh, circumference of your guests. Then layer on things that happen like right now, like a pandemic, which throws every a wrench into everything and you got to learn on the fly. Um, so it's definitely very different life. Uh, restaurants, traditional restaurants, a lot of them are still open. So a lot of chefs are still working. My offices are closed. I'm working from home. So it's, it's still food, but a very different lifestyle for sure. Well, you yourself, you do stuff outside of uh, just being a corporate chef. So you uh, were able to uh, create a personal brand for yourself uh, as Chef Mike uh, by being kind of a social media influencer and even creating your own uh, YouTube channel. Yeah. So how can students and professionals work to create a brand for themselves in their 20s? That's in very interesting. So while I was in college, uh, Johnson & Wales, where I went, uh, I think the beginning of senior year got the Facebook and you had to put in your college email address to get on the Facebook. And this was awesome. I was in the time growing up like um, AOL chat rooms. I was the appropriate age to like dial up internet. So I am, I you had an original Nintendo and I even had like an Odyssey 2100. So all of these things, it's like, if, if you, uh, you know, somebody 70 or 80 years old that really saw the invention of like, highways and automobiles being everybody needs them like i feel like i'm a good age of i know what life was like without technology at your hand and now i've been resourceful through that whole time and using that so in college social media stuff started happening i used myspace a lot i tell everybody this is another great question that everything i learned about social media and branding is because i was in a unsuccessful original hard rock and metal band that needed to get people to come to a show and buy my stuff. Nobody ever heard of us. You're, you're literally starting from zero developing your band or brand. What do you do? So it's okay. Let's be very polished right out of the gate. Let's make sure we have all our social media sites and music written and merch available. So that way first impressions are important. When we go to shows, let's be part of the community. We can't just show up, play, and leave. People, fans are not going to like that. People in the industry are not going to like that. Um, you know, other bands that we play with or booking agents aren't going to like that. So make sure you attend shows, not only your own, but others to show support to the community. Make sure you're literally responding to your audience. So following up uh, to your fans, if you're, you know, a lot of people post a lot of content, but actually don't engage in their audience. People desperately are like, oh, I want a like from this person on Twitter. And some people are like, who cares? But other people are like, they noticed me. This is amazing. So it's very important in this day and age, people this day and age are looking for back and forth and a response. That's the purpose of social media. But there's a lot of influencers out there that just post the content and don't do the work to engage. So all that stuff, because of being in a band, trying to get people to come to shows, I have that same mentality in my career, in any fun stuff that I do. It's, 
all right, if I'm going to try to be an influencer on social media, what are the things that people look for? Engaging, respond, be active in the community, be a positive influence. Um, you know, obviously when there's really big events that happen in the world, it is important that if you have influence, you do need to uh, insert yourself if you could better your community. I'd much rather amplify other people's information, other people's stories, other people's stuff. Yes, I would love to be rich and famous and people pay me to show up to places and my autograph is worth money. That would be bonkers. But ultimately for me, the reason why I want to do that is to be a positive influence, not I'm going to do all this work to be rich and famous because you're never going to get there. It needs to happen organically, just like being in a band and trying to get people to come to your show. That's awesome. I love yeah. how you really mastered the uh, science of social media down to a T and Michael and I love your online presence. I mean, you're hilarious and it's only helped propel your brand. Uh, just being yourself and like really, you know, being responsive and, We've seen Absolutely. you playing commercials. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, people, people started, somebody asked me to rate one of their food items. And then somebody did like, okay, uh, 10 out of 10 looks fantastic. And they were genuinely so happy mm -hmm. and they shared it. And all these other people started show, sending me pictures of food. And then people started sending me pictures of their dogs to rate them. And I'm like, somebody else called me the uh, opposite of Gordon Ramsay. Like, he'll just tear into you. And I'm like, hey, if you're new and you just did a new thing for the first time, I'm not going to give you a zero. You tried your best and you should be rewarded Good. for that. So I'm usually relatively positive in those. Uh, As a chef, you know, you have found your niche. You have found, you know, your interests. Um, but there are so many different foods that you can work with, industries that you can work with. And how, as an aspiring chef, um, can you be in a place to like, you know, figure out sooner what type of food you want to work with um, and where you want to work um, with your culinary degree? So what's cool about food and uh, the industry is, like I said, I wanted to be a chef in a restaurant going in. Did not know a lot of the other jobs that might have been available to me. Being in the industry for, for so long, there is probably 40 or 50 jobs that if you have cooking or culinary experience and don't want to work in a traditional restaurant, there are so many different options to you. Um, when I was in culinary school, I did two years of general culinary, um, and then I could have taken two more years. Uh, the first two years were relatively easy for me because I was in the industry already and had a lot of experience. Um, but then I was offered, uh, there was two more years of culinary, but there was this thing called culinary nutrition, which this program was your food science, product development, medical nutrition therapy, microbiology, all this stuff that I knew I could not learn in a restaurant. And knowing that my first two years were relatively easy, I was like, this is stuff I don't know. It would make much more sense for me to learn that than two more years of culinary where I could just work in a restaurant and get those skills. So really seeking out how to learn things that will help you along the way if working in a restaurant is not your thing. Perhaps your hobby is photography. So get really good at photography because food photographers make a crap ton of money. And I don't know if crap ton is an appropriate word for this, but they do. Food styling. You might not be good at taking photos, but if you can make the food look amazing for a picture, which to be honest is very different than making food look delicious presenting it to you on a table if you can do that you could get paid a whole bunch of money maybe you love food you love cooking but you're not quick and good at that 
um, you know, reviewing uh, restaurant reviews, um, working for a trade publication, um, descriptive writing for menus or food blogs. If you're great at sales, you can sell ingredients or buy ingredients or manufacturing. And, you know, there's so many different options that if you love food, um, there, are, there are so many different career paths for you, which I think which makes other career choices a little more appealing because ah, I'm going to go school for general business. Well, you have quite a bit of job opportunity there for you. And that's uh, a great example, too, of why I do a lot of video gaming and music and all that stuff, specifically with social media, is because if I pigeon myself to only food people, they are only going to want to see food content. But if I make sure I'm uh, approachable for a lot of different things, that's how moguls are made. That's how a Justin Timberlake, who not only is a great actor, but can sing and do comedy and develop an alcoholic beverage and do all these crazy things because they know they can't just be the one thing. If you want to be a monster at a thing, you need to diversify your, uh, your appeal, which is something that no matter what industry, no matter what you do, that is basically what I was trying to do when I was at McDonald's was make me the face so I could go to all the things and do all the cool stuff. They didn't really bite too much. A lot of what I did while at McDonald's was on my own dime because I knew it was a valuable thing for me as well as being a great brand ambassador for them. But all of that made me very appealing, which may or may not be why a Wendy's would contact me and say, hey, you want to be in a commercial? Yes, I have been preparing for this for quite a while. So I do want to be in a commercial. So that worked out pretty great in the end for me. In your 20s, how were you able to balance both you know, your band, these other passions for gaming and entertainment with, you know, also getting a degree and trying to seek out that corporate career. In my 20s, when uh, that social media was coming up, I knew that that was important to be, you know, for networking, for being visible, for whatever reason, especially nowadays, um, you know, there are employers who may look at your social media pages to see what you say, what you stand for, um, a variety of things and potentially making, uh, will be making hiring or firing decisions based on what you do there. Balance is, it's hard. You uh, sometimes lose sleep to do the fun stuff, uh, but it's definitely uh, a work hard to play hard scenario. So um, if you surround yourself by people who love what they do, um, whether that be at work or in your professional life or in your fun life like I you know I have a bunch of people who love playing Dungeons and Dragons so and uh, I have a little bit of an influence so might as well engage in that tabletop uh, you know RPG community to say hey even somebody like a Mike Harris who's a corporate you know chef in a thing also loves the goofy nerdy thing you do but luckily a lot of the things that like I'm influencing whether that's you know, video games, it was always my decompress thing from working. So I go home from work and I'm gonna play Call of Duty for seven hours uh, until I pass out on the couch. You know, as you continue to grow, as you get more influence, the thing that you love now could either be profitable or marketable. So now I can talk about those things as well, not just food and I get, um, you know, a little, a little bump in the follow, a little likes, a little more uh, impressions and engagement numbers and whatnot, so. So Mike, we have a fun question to uh, end mm -hmm. off our interview. Be careful with how descriptive you get. I have not had dinner yet, uh, so I'm very oh. hungry. But uh, we want to hear about the all-time favorite meal you would cook for family and friends while you were younger, while you were, you know, experimenting with different meals. Ooh, while I was younger. Hmm. 
while I was younger. So I think the best, well, I could tell you a little bit younger because I am now a certified barbecue judge and I do barbecue competitions and stuff on the side as another fun thing to do. But I really started doing barbecue by myself, you know, years and years ago. And I would always do pork belly burnt ends. So you get like what bacon is made out of. A bit, it's a big old slab of meat. It's not smoke. It's not cured. It's just pork at that time. So then I make my own secret rub and I rub that meat nice and, you know, nice and thick, keep it in the fridge for a little while. Then maybe I get a little mixture of some apple and cherry wood, maybe some hickory. And I throw that bad boy on the smoker for like seven or eight hours, pull it off and it's falling apart and juicy, like all that fat's rendered and kind of melting through the meat. So I just, I don't even have to cut it. I could just look at it and it falls apart. Then I mix it with my own sweet and spicy barbecue sauce. It's got a little hit of vinegar. So it really like, you know, excites your taste buds when you bite into it. Then I throw it back on the smoker to get a little bit tacky. So it gets like crusty on it, almost like a little outside crunch. So then you take that off and then you serve it to somebody who's incredibly hungry. And that bad boy melts in your mouth like cotton candy and the fat and the smoke and your barbecue rub just like encapsulate your entire mouth and you're just you just taste that all night no no amount of teeth brushing can even like remove that delicious taste from your mouth till like two days later that's my favorite thing to make and if i could get people to enjoy stuff like that all the time i would be a happy individual well i mean michael and i are next then we're all in chicago <laughs> when can we get nice. some <laughs> that meal sounded amazing <laughs> unless you're vegetarian in which i would of course cook for my customer of and course. make sure an awesome delicious vegetarian option <laughs> just throwing that out there this interview is amazing i love the the energy you had and just i mean just you describing that meal it was like i was there <laughs> I, was, awesome. uh, I was having some i guess that's one other point i do want to make and admit is that i'm pretty much this guy if i'm in a executive boardroom with the ceo of mcdonald's like I will be the guy who tries to make the audience laugh and do a little joke here and there and lighten it. Like, so there are people who are very good. I, if I need to, I can obviously be a very proper, well-trained orator. Um, but if I need to go do a goofy internet show and be loud and rowdy and say stupid stuff, I have that ability as well. So you can turn it on and off, uh, which once again makes you very versatile for whatever you want to do in your career. I'm not great at anything, but I do a little bit of everything. So that's, that's how I roll. Well, you're, Mike, you're a great interview. Our viewers are really going to find a lot of value from this. I mean, you're hilarious and you're, you know, well-experienced as well. I mean, you know, you know your stuff um, clearly with how good that meal sounded. So really nice. thank you so much. I mean, this was, um, this was a great conversation. Absolutely. My pleasure. If uh, questions come down your way that uh, don't get to me, I'd be more than happy to answer them and, you know, be more than happy if anyone wants to reach out to me directly with any questions, I'm more than happy to help. So thank you for listening to the In Their 20s podcast. For a full video version, please visit our YouTube channel. And for more information about Chef Mike, please visit our website at inther20s.com.